The Courage to Lead, episode 133. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Melita Campbell. Since 1997, Melita Campbell has been using her ability to spot gaps between a company's goals, its strategy, and positioning to help businesses become profitable and achieve growth in as little as three months. By combining the insights gained from working directly with senior leaders for more than 20 years, her unique blend of art school and business school training and her restless curiosity, Melita has helped her clients identify new opportunities and develop creative solutions that add value in profitable and purposeful ways that are straightforward to implement and result in a clear competitive edge. After witnessing too many talented and passionate women fall short of their vision to make a profit and a difference, more recently, Melita has brought her business, leadership, and marketing expertise together with her personal experiences to become a trusted advisor and coach for female-led businesses. Originally from Wales in the UK, Melita now lives in a Swiss chalet surrounded by nature and overlooking Lake Geneva and the Swiss Alps with her husband and her two daughters. Melita, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And it's now two daughters and a, and a puppy. <laughs> and a puppy. <laughs> what kind of puppy do you have? Oh, she's a bit of a mix. She's very cute. She's half uh, Cotton de Tulia, which is a very gorgeous, fluffy breed. And her, the mum is a Fox Terrier slash um, uh, Shih Tzu. So she's nice. very cute and fluffy. <laughs> very cool. My wife and I have a very bad habit of getting to know all the dogs in the neighborhood by name, but not the people. <laughs> but we know the dogs very carefully. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I, I want to explore when we start talking a little bit about your art school and business school background. Cause so often you hear people say, uh, what I do is a bit of art and a bit of science. And literally the things that you do are both art and science. And so I'd love to explore that a little bit more on how you help uh, women in business. But before we get started, um, I have some icebreaker questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, these are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood stars from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So 10 questions for you. Question number one, Alita, what is your favorite word? Oh, actually, I think this is a, it's a Welsh word and it's the Welsh word for microwave, which is property ping. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. What is your least favorite word? Oh gosh. Anything that you that comes out of most corporate meetings, I think <laughs> all, the, yeah. uh, all that buzzwords and all of those just make you cringe. And having been on the outside for a while now, if I'm in any kind of corporate environment meeting, I'm just like, I just want to giggle all the way through. It's like, I can't <laughs> believe you actually said that. <laughs> there, it's a lot more noticeable now when you've been out yeah. of it for a while and then you suddenly hear those words. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what turns you on? Um. I think people who have courage, you know, and courage doesn't need to be a big thing, but people who just have an idea and and take a step towards it or have an idea and tell people about it and, and and make steps towards that. I think that's always very exciting. Nice. Very cool. And uh, what turns you off? Oh, probably the opposite. (laughs) People are always talking about, oh yes, all their dreams. And, and, and then they never take a step that way, or they have the audacity to tell other people who are working towards their dreams that, oh, that will never work. Uh, Those kind of people are really, I I, I definitely avoid them. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, What sound or noise do you love? Um, I think the sound of my kids laughing and playing and anything to do with that. That's always very nice. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> the, the classics, the, the, the nail thing, but probably the, the, the one I hate most at the minute is like, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. For me, it's the guy with the nail gun right behind me. <laughs> Going up. All right. Um, question number seven, what is your favorite curse word? 
Oh, I don't swear very much. Um, yeah, I think when it when the time needs it, a, a good F word well placed does feel very satisfying. <laughs> is is there a Welsh curse term? Oh, one we used to use quite a lot was um, khaki pen. I don't think it's a really, uh, uh, I don't know if it's even is a proper word. Um, but yeah, just, there, there are. Yeah. <laughs> khaki pen was the one we used to use. I think it was quite amusing anyway. Okay. All right. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, a psychologist. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Looking back, when, once I've dug into mindset, I'm just so curious about how the mind works and why people do one thing or another. I think in a previous life, or if I was to do this life again, then yeah, I'd love to be a real psychologist. That must be fascinating. Nice. Very cool. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Oh, anything like, I don't think I could be a doctor or a nurse. I'm very squeamish. <laughs> Same here. Okay. Um, and question 10, finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh, probably welcome. Welcome. Very cool. Anything short of that would be a little concerning, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Melita, we're going to come back, talk about how you got your start, um, how you blend your art school background and your business school background to help businesses, um, the work that you're doing with uh, women business owners. And at some point, we'll transition and talk about courage and leadership. Okay? Yes, so, that's right. Awesome. So listeners, will cover that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at i4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Melita Campbell. Melita, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day. I know the time difference here is probably later in the evening for you, but I uh, appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Um, so tell me about your background, how you got started. Um, in the bio, we read that you had uh, art school background and business school. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, all the way through school, I was, and, and just as a child even as well, I was always I loved art and design and everything creative, but I also loved business. I did business studies and I ran a business. We started a business at school and I loved economics. However, I didn't want to be an artist or a designer. I didn't really, much as I loved doing that, that I couldn't really see me doing that as a full-time career. And I, I'm dyscalculic, so I can't read numbers. I really struggle with wow. maths. I understand the theory, but I write the numbers down wrong, so I <laughs> didn't get very far. So I couldn't really do economics either, because when you go to university, then it becomes really very number-centric. So I was lost for a long time. So what, what do I do here? I, I, and so I started applying for like my, um, hotel management school and to be a teacher, which wasn't what I wanted to do, but I did want to... I just wanted to go away and study something. And then I was really fortunate that the, that the university wrote to me and said, we've got a new course in design management. Would you like to apply? It was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. It really man man uh, marries everything up. So um, out of 300 people they wrote to, I got a place. There was 30 people on the course. So I was really uh, excited to get that place. And I loved every minute of it because we were really learning management, legal aspects, marketing, communications, all the regular things, but with a very creative slant. So I remember one time we had to explore leadership, for example, and um, what it represents and how it makes people feel in different ways by using, um, by finger painting. <laughs> so we really? had this huge canvas and then we had to do the finger painting. And then I was like, oh, I really love what I've created. And we really encouraged it to put the emotions and the energy and the colors and everything into that. And then like, she, the tutor was like, great, now rip it all up. We're like, what? I was so proud of that. So we had to rip it all up and then make something, use the pieces to create something different and express it a different way. And so everything we did was very creative. It was 
I guess, building courage, really. And, you know, it really taught us from the beginning that there there's never just one way to do things. And so we were really encouraged to to try different things and and take an an everyday object that everybody uses and and find a different way to do it or find a new use for it. So um, when I went into the corporate world, I didn't talk about the fact that I got my business degree from an art school uh, for for many years. But then I started to see that it really helped me stand out because I could spot problems and I would present a problem. So even when I worked with one of the largest companies in Europe, um, and I'd only worked in small businesses before, I very quickly ended up reporting directly to the the number two uh, in the whole organization because I would speak up in a meeting that, well, hang on a minute, why do we have to do it that way? What, why couldn't we just do this? Or you know, if that's the problem, then maybe this we should look over here because that would be a that would work. <laughs> and they were, everyone's like, you can't say that. And then he's like, oh yes, I like this. And um, when I moved on and started my own business, then uh, three of the leaders there said, actually, the reason that we you always we always chose you for projects and and sought out your advice. And by the way, not everyone gets invited for coffee just for a chat um, with these leaders was because you you always come with a solution. You always have another idea. And it's never, oh, this is what we're going to do. It's like, well, this is really interesting. Could could this work? And what if we use that? And I've heard this over here and and really like experimenting, bring things together in new ways. And 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 I think that really directly comes back from that art school education. That is awesome because so many people get caught up in, well, this is the way I've always done it. I always look at it from this perspective. If you can break them out of that mold and give them a different perspective, a lot of times they can see either new ways of doing things or or creative ways to to approach something and stuff. So that's, that's fascinating. Now, so when you go into companies, do you use um, art in some way to help them kind of get out of their, their mindset? No, that's not the kind of work that I, I do. Um, I do know someone who does do that and has phenomenal results um, and and does it and uses art to do uh, teamwork and and help people and express really their values in a different way and then have this piece of art that right. the whole team can feel proud of because they all collaborated to create it. Um, but no, I don't I don't do I don't do that with people, but really more to ask the questions because uh, I think people have, as you say, they've always, it's always been done this way and this is their limited knowledge. And uh, my training has, has never been that. It's always been to look at, well, what is the real problem? And where's that come from? And why is it caused that way? And what are all the different materials that could come into this and which are going to make most sense and what, what ones play together and really you know, have your palette of colors almost and, and create the textures and colors and different mixes, but with like other strategies and ideas and taking inspiration from everywhere, uh, not just from within the, the world of business. And you always come up with something really interesting and, and stronger in the, in the end. Very nice. And now you're working a lot with women-owned businesses, right? Yes. Yeah. I was doing... Um, communication consultancy for uh, Fortune 500 companies and the companies like the UN, uh, which was great. But it really, when I worked in corporate, I'd started a women's network uh, because when I worked in, in the UK, in London, I never really felt held back by being a woman in business. But when I came to Switzerland, it was a very different environment. And I was working in private banking, which was very male orientated. And I'd worked in IT and energy and real estate. So very male dominated industries before anyway um but here it was it was different um and i saw that there were lots of very talented women but they weren't speaking up they didn't feel like they had the the right to to put themselves forward for things and they weren't being listened to and part of that was because they weren't putting themselves forward either it wasn't necessarily that they were being squashed in any way um so i I saw a big need to change the culture so when i uh, built my position up and my department became very successful and i reported to the ceo and then i asked you as i'm working in banking in in a very non-traditional role and uh, and as a woman and now reaching this position, I'd love to use that to inspire more women to to follow their hearts and create the path and the career that they want. Um, and I think a women's network would really help fill that gap. And the CEO loved the idea. The CFO was my mentor for that. And they both really were like, yeah, 
we know that this is a problem, but as middle-aged white men, we're not the people to solve it. So, um, so I really loved the work I did there. And what I saw was that women learn very well from the experiences of other women. It really, this whole idea of role models is very powerful, I think for everybody, um, but women especially. And so we brought a lot of uh, role models. We had a lot of uh, live discussions and uh, looking at challenges and well, what could we do? What would the ideal be like? And, and is that possible? What do we need to make that happen? Um, so we made a lot of positive change. But then when I became an entrepreneur, I was like, hang on a minute, where's all the support gone? (laughs) There was just nothing like that. And that was in the back of my mind for a long time. And as I built my business and I was starting to do quite well, and I started a wellness business as well, um, you know, I built a reputation for someone who makes things happen. And then I was excited to get approached by women who started their business. And they're like, can you help me? Because I really want to make this work. I'm really passionate about what I do, but I don't know how to build a business. I don't know how to market myself I don't know the first thing about selling um and I was like no (laughs) I can't help you and I couldn't really see what they were seeing in me for a long time and then there was one woman she says but you have to there is no one else so I was okay let me take a step back and actually taking that background in the women's network I could see that actually if I took all my skills that I was using for these larger companies really to help them sell projects within their their organization um, and externally and and applied that to small businesses, I could probably make quite a big difference. Uh, So that's when I made a pivot to become a business coach. And I focus mainly on women because in this particular area where I am, there is very little childcare. It's a big expat community. So a lot of women have the children, but then no support network. They, if they've come with their husband, they don't have the local Um, they don't necessarily know the the language or they don't have a network. So finding a job is really difficult for them. So they are stuck, but they're really, really smart and they have a lot to contribute and they want to. So I started working with women just to fill that gap because I think running your own business is the perfect solution to that, that problem, because particularly now with all this online technology makes it easy. So, so that's what I just ended up uh, pivoting to uh, about five years ago now. Um, and I've just loved it every day. It's a very different energy for what I was doing before and much more fulfilling as well. So Absolutely. I can really bring all of my experiences uh, to really help women build out a model that they own in their business and to to really simplify their marketing because it's it can get really overwhelming very quickly building a business, especially oh, yeah. when you're trying to do it on your own. So I really want to make that as streamlined a process as possible, but also make sure it's as meaningful um, as well. Nice. Now, did the the pandemic, did that impact your business at all or did it help uh, bring more women out? Um, I, it didn't really affect my business too much immediately. Um, I made sure that uh, there was a certain women that were about to graduate my programs and that didn't feel right. So I was like, okay, well, stay in, let's figure this out together. Um, and that was a really great experience. And in fact, it led me to extend the period of my program permanently so that women can not just build their their um, their business model and their, their marketing and their messaging, but then as they implement that, then I'm still there with them. So um, that made a big difference. So that changed my program. And temporarily, I offered smaller sessions because I, I saw people were a little bit nervous. They still, they didn't want to stop but they still needed a little bit more help and not everybody had the funds or the felt secure in, in investing at that stage. So I did bring out some smaller products to help people. Um, but really long-term I've, I've gone back to the bigger programs because I think that's where I really help people get results. I can kind of help them with little things in an hour, but it's not the the kind of long lasting business right. that I, I want to help people build. Um, and then it it kind of did slow down beginning of last year, but this year it's it's back uh, really strong. And I think there's more and more people now thinking, it, actually having a job is a bit of a risk. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to take things in my own hands and and create start creating success on my own terms and and create something that's a bit more meaningful as well. So I think there has been a big shift. There's this big resignation resignation. Um, I think people have shifted in in terms of what they they want for themselves and their career and 
how they use their skills and talents to 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 contribute to society. I think yeah. there's a, a need for that now at the, at the minute as well. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody talks about the big resignation, but to me, it's more of a reevaluation is, do I really want to work for another company or do I want to rely on myself? And so I think that's what has brought a lot of people out. Now, the women you work with, they come in with their own ideas. Is, Is it a mindset that's holding them back or is it just, I'm not sure what first step to take? I think it's a mix really. Um, there is this sort of, I, I think they know some steps. I mean, they're doing stuff, but they're not sure that it's the right stuff. You know, there's so much free information there out there on YouTube and everywhere. And, and it's really, really great information as well. But you're never quite sure, well, is this right for me? Is this right for me at this time? How do I actually implement that? How do I integrate it with everything else I do? Um, so I find that a lot of people have started sort of too far in. Like they're trying to market their business before they have a clear offer and before they have a niche. And so they're struggling to know what to say because, of course, they don't. it's really impossible to know what to say when you don't know who you're talking to or what you're talking to them about. So, um, but that's, you know, is, that's something that's really obvious to someone with a communications background. But if that's not your, your experience, then uh, you just think, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. Um So I think a lot of people start marketing their business too soon before they have that foundation in place. Um, And without that foundation, then it's really hard to have the confidence as well. If you don't feel centered in what you're doing, then it's really hard to go forward and and sell yourself with absolute confidence that, yes, I can solve that problem. And here's how, and this is what you're going to come away with. And this is what it's going to feel like. And really to get excited about that whole journey when they're like, yeah, I think I can sort of maybe do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they hold themselves back. But also I think with the mindset side, you know, anytime you do something new, it's it's a bit scary because you don't know if it's going to work. You have to have a lot of trust and self-confidence to do that and self-belief. Um, and I think a lot of people have lost that in the corporate environment because it is uh, very fearful. You're worried about, um, you know, you set these goals and they have these smart goals um, but you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't want smart goals because how how exciting is it to have a goal you know you can achieve? You right. want these like dumb goals, you know these these goals that are going to make you dream bigger and stretch you and push you to grow and and give you the space to fail because that's where the real learning and growth become comes in. But that's that's really really scary if you've been in corporate for a very long time. Uh, so I think there's. There's a big mindset shift that needs to happen. There's uh, a big shift in your self-belief needs to happen. But that only happens once you've taken the steps in the first place. You, know, you don't have self-belief until you've done something. Um, it's, it's, it's this kind of controversial thing, which is why I really love working with this group to help them give them that framework, and give them that path. And I work with a behavioral psychologist as well to to support that mindset i'm a mindset coach myself too but we need to make sure that mindset is as solid as it can be by the end of it because otherwise they have this amazing plan perfect business model and then they're too scared to do anything with it (laughs) it doesn't help well i downloaded uh your ebook right the six steps to more clients and you talk about kind of the the layout that you like having a clear value proposition is that something that like you said people i knew one guy who started his business. The first thing he did was bought t-shirts and pens and coffee mugs. And uh, it's like, you don't really have a product to sell yet. Right. But he was all into the the marketing of it and stuff. So yes. you walk people through the clear value proposition, identifying their client, who they're looking for. Right. Because that's, that's another thing you, you can't just say I'll sell to anybody or I can help anybody. You want to focus on that, that ideal client. Yeah. Is that, is that a scary. mind shift? Wow. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, you, narrowing it down, saying I'm going to work with this group is scary because particularly at the beginning, you're like, no, I just work with anyone. I just want the money. <laughs> um, it's, it feels like you're you're turning business away. You're letting people down. But in fact, it's it's quite the opposite. And, if, you know, you introduced me as a business coach for women. My branding is pink. You know, I've got pictures of women on all of my materials. Um, yeah, I still have men come in and asking to work with me. And I do work with, with men as well um, because, you know, everything I do is on based on solid business principles. It's not like, well, this works for women and something else for men altogether. Um, so, but 
been focusing on women and and coaches and consultants and especially it just focuses my my messaging right. it just makes it really really clear what i offer and so other people can see oh well actually that's what i want too can can i work with you, <laughs> you know? right. so exactly. you you just it just makes your what you're doing clearer and easier for you to communicate as well and when it comes to your marketing you know where to go to instead of oh i need to let the whole world know what i'm doing now and I know you can only really manage that if you have the funds of Coca-Cola, um, <laughs> which most people don't nice? have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people don't have that. So you you know it it helps you focus on well who where are these people that I want to work with and just you know, streamline your marketing on just like that one ideal client and just start with one channel and get really good at that and um, and build from there because you know initially you don't need hundreds of thousands of clients you just need that first one um and then you know that one gives you the confidence and and teaches you how to get the next one and the next one and so on um and i think with the value proposition this is something that uh it's always my first step with every single client but very often people say oh yeah i've done that you know i i know my values i I know what i'm doing and it's like okay well you in that case this process we're going to do is will be really really quick and as soon as they they go through my process, they're like, oh, I, I really haven't looked at this before. Because <laughs> yeah. you need to go that bit deeper. Mm-hmm. It's like with design. You know, if you're going to design a, a new car, you really need to go deep into the needs of that person and who that person is and where they're going to be driving and what size are they and we have all these different things in order to design the right thing. So it's the same with your value proposition. You need to go that little bit deeper to understand where everything that you want to create, everything that's amazing about you, where that aligns with everything that your clients want. And mm-hmm. so and that bit in the middle, where there's the crossover, that's where you need to position yourself and your messaging and your marketing. And then everything just falls into place and becomes so much easier. And it makes sense uh, that it's, it's, it's a big, long process, actually, to, yeah. to dig into that. But once you have it, everything else from there becomes much, much easier. Absolutely. But yeah, I think that's that's the hard part for people is because in their mind, it's clear what they do and what they want to sell and how much they want to sell it for. But it's really, it's not about you. It's not about your product. It's about the client. It's about what their needs are. And I I, was, I had a, a program a webinar I did years ago um, called, Who Do You Think You're Talking To? Because so many people spend so much time on their webpage talking about me, 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 me. You know, I have all these certifications. I've been in business this long. My granddaddy started the business. I've been in the same location for a hundred years. None of that matters. If you don't have something that'll solve a problem for the client, none of that matters. Once they realize you have something that will help me, now those other things come into play. If it's against, you know, two very similar persons, this one's been in business longer. They have this, you know, maybe that's the person I want to go with. So it's identifying exactly what they need and how you can help them. And you're right, the niching down, I, I wish more people would understand when you niche, it's not about shutting out the world. It's about focusing your message because that message then becomes clear to everybody. If you can do this, you can help somebody in, in less than three months. I want that too, right? Can you help me? Of course I can help you, <laughs> you know, but it helps clarify that message so that it resonates with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it can go, once you get that that value proposition, everything can go really quickly. I had one lady, she'd been making a loss for two years and was her husband's like, you have to stop your business. You have to get a job. And she, no, I can't. I need to do this. Uh, so we started working together and just like three weeks in, we'd done all of this kind of digging in and we hadn't even finished the process, but she had a much clearer value proposition. She really understood what she brought to the world and and for who and why that was unique and needed. Um, and so it just, she naturally started to change the way she showed up and, and the way she spoke to people. And, you know, she came in after three weeks of working together. She's like, I just got five clients. I didn't even sell to them. <laughs> it's like, well, you did. It's just the way you think of what selling is and versus what it really is, 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 is two different things. Um, but she's, but, do you know that means I've broken even for the first time ever? And wow. you know, and then from there it just built, and then she was sold out and within six months and started a second business. Um wow. so yeah, it can go really fast, but it was really it's that value proposition. And you mentioned there that you have to kind of tell people what they need and then focus in on that. And I would I would 
challenge that a little bit. I think people don't know what they need. They know what they want. Okay. And you have to then educate, meet them where they are and what they think they want and then explain. So if this is what you want, this is what you actually need. Um, and that, and then you kind of use your marketing and your, your messaging to guide them in that process. And, and that's when you can really have the influence and, and show up as genuine because they're like, Oh, this person really cares. They're not just going to sell me what any old thing that, that, will help make me happy they're going to actually sell me what is going to work what i really want what i really need here so um it's it's a slight shift but i would always encourage my clients to meet them where they are and what they think they want and then then you start a conversation and say well actually if that's the results you want what you actually need because usually it's different they don't know how they don't really know what they want or how to get it, or they wouldn't really have that. So that's really these days where we can add the most value, I think. Very nice. Well, and your example of the car, how are you going to use the car? What's car going to be used for? You know, who's going to use the car? What are they looking for in the car? Is it just fast? Is it economical? Is it utilitarian, right? Understand what it is they want and then help them, help them get that. Yeah. Very nice. Very cool. And um, you do a lot of volunteer work too. Tell me about some of the volunteer things you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I've stripped back a little bit recently, but I've been, uh, well, there's the women's networks and I do some work there. And I was a founding member of the Geneva Communicators Network, which was uh, really fun to be part of. Um, it's now just a little bit too far, so I wasn't being as involved. And uh, locally here, so my journey, I was, you know, I, I wrote the book, A Shy Girl's Guide to Networking, because I was, I was holding myself back in my early career from not speaking up because I was quite shy and and didn't really feel it was my place but then I started to learn public speaking I went to Toastmasters because I had to write a speech and I didn't know how to write a speech so I was like oh okay I'll I'll check this out and see Um, and then became addicted I didn't speak admittedly for the first six months (laughs) they went there but even in that time I'd, I'd learned these skills uh, and people, I started speaking up more at work and people asked me for advice. I was like, gosh, I haven't even given my first speech yet. Um, so I, I was really a big fan of Toastmasters, but then I, I had children and I, it was just too much to go in the evening to the local club, which was like about an hour's drive uh, away. So I was like, I'm going to start one here. <laughs> so I started a, a, a local Toastmasters club Um about five years ago now, I think. So, nice. uh, so that's been a volunteer position I've held ever since is working with them and was present and doing different roles. Um, and also with the lean in organization as well. And part of their committee and supporting the, the, the communication and entrepreneurship side of things there. So, uh, that's very rewarding work as well. And, and a lot of fun too. Very cool. And tell me about your podcast. Hmm. So, well, a little bit like what we were talking about. I found that um, you know, my experience from the from the women's network showed that women learn very well from the experience of women, and there's a lack of role models, and we need these role models. But also, what I saw generally in business was that people were starting too soon, as you said, as we were just talking about, that they would jump in and trying to market themselves before they had this in place. And, and so often I'd have conversations with people and they would tell me, you know, I really struggle with this. And it's, you know, I, I think I'm just a bit strange because everyone else finds this easy. But no, they don't. <laughs> no one finds any of this easy. Or everyone else has a plan and they know what they're doing. And I just feel really lost. Like, I don't think anyone has a plan when they start a business, honestly. Um, and so they had all these doubts and they felt alone. They felt they were the only one to have this bad experience and every, everyone else is a natural born entrepreneur, uh, which of course is never the case. Right. So I really wanted to draw the curtain back and show people what happens in a business before you see them being successful, what it really takes to, to start and launch a business and, and then grow that. And how do you manage all of those uh, ups and downs and the, the mindset side of it? So uh, each week I, dif- uh, I interview a different female entrepreneur uh, about how they got their business started, what, the, the, what that situation was like, what they've learned in the process and what, um, what advice they would pass back. So it's partly uh, to showcase all these female business owners, because when you say entrepreneur, people always think of all these male right. role models. Um, so I wanted to kind of uh, 
put more women out there and show that yes, women can be successful too, uh, but also to to have to show what what it's really like. And what I really love about those interviews is that everyone's had a very different path. Uh, not one person that's been on the show, and I'm coming up to 100 in a minute, uh, but not one person said, yep, I had a plan, I knew what I was doing, I had a purpose, and (laughs) everything was clear. None of that is the case. Nobody knows (laughs) when they start. They're just like bumbling along and, and, you know, a bit of trust um, and a bit of stubbornness as well, just to stick with it. Uh, But also that what they believe it does take to succeed, you know, everyone was in agreement with that. So, and, it, and it's, it's the things we already have. So it's learning to trust yourself and trust those instincts. You know, they're not random. These, this is the, the culmination of all of our experiences, our education, our DNA, everything that's been passed down to us. So there is a lot of wisdom that we can tap into and just having that self-trust, making sure you ask for help, invest in yourself, get a coach and Maybe it's like a, a small program to start with and you kind of upgrade as you as you grow, um, but get some kind of support because it does shortcut, shortcut the whole process um, and, and know your values and, and really use that as your guide so that you don't feel that you are comparing yourself to other people. Or you don't feel you're not, you're not so um, vulnerable when other people are saying, oh, just get a job. That'll never work. <laughs> you know? you, exactly. You've got your values and your vision and you can stick to that. So I, I love that all of their advice was very uh, simple, foundational, and just, you know, just do it. <laughs> that is awesome. And that kind of leads into the, the courage part. Um, there are different types of courage we have to tap into, right? Intellectual courage, uh, moral courage, social courage, saying what needs to be said, even if it's unpopular. Um, where did you find the courage to overcome the shyness to actually get out there and, and be that voice for, for women? Where, where I think did that come it from? starts with having a vision. Um, in my book, I shared the, the, my victory formula, which is when I knew. So in London, I avoided networking completely. I didn't, I didn't feel I had to, I was, my career was progressing. Okay. Um, but then I moved to Switzerland and of course I didn't know anyone. Yeah. I had no professional network, no friends. So I, I had to get out and network and get over myself and figure things out. And I, I started to break it down. Well, what does it take to, for me to, to feel comfortable networking? And so I just started with the vision of what, what does, what's it going to do for me? Why, why do I care about that? Why is it important? And then, and that I think gives you, when you have a vision that's bigger than your obstacles, then your obstacles feel doable. But if it, but, but before that I did, well, I didn't have a vision at all. So these obstacles seem huge. Um, but you know, it's like, well, this is, this is why I want to do this. This is why it's really important to me. And then it, you know, the, the, that sort of horrible feeling I had in my gut before I went in and, and the, the red blushing that I had and you know, it, it didn't matter because that was just really small in comparison to what I wanted to achieve. So I think that's, that was really where I found the courage initially. Um, and then when I was in, in, in work, it was the same, you know, I really created a vision from, for my role, my department, how I wanted to be showing up. And so if people were challenging me, then I would, or, presenting something that I didn't believe in or thought could be better than I would speak up and challenge that and actually my proudest moment I think was when I was pregnant and I had this awful morning sickness for five months and I remember sitting in a meeting and I just I just couldn't bring myself to speak because it was just like having the worst hangover (laughs) so I was just sitting there just trying to make sure no one noticed and then at one point everyone stared at me and was like oh, what, gosh, what have I missed? And they're like, aren't you going to challenge them on that? You would normally say, no way, we can't do that. And it's like, oh, wow, I stand for something. That's really cool. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so it's, it, it really, I think it helps. And it feels, it was interesting. I was having a conversation recently was about my career. And, and they're like, gosh, you've taken some really big leaps. That must have taken a, bit, a lot of courage. Um, but it didn't necessarily feel like that in the moment. Sometimes it just feels like that those baby steps or that, that next thing, you don't realize it's going to become a big thing at that stage sometimes. So, um, yeah. But then other people see you do something and think, wow, that is courageous. I don't yeah. know if I could be that courageous. Um, the women that you work with, is there, is there, 
do you help them find that courage in themselves or do you help them share their courage with other people so they can see what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that creeps up on you as well, because as I see my clients go through my program, either it's privately or, or it's more evident with the group, I think, because I have a, I do group coaching, but I keep that group really small and you really see someone new comes in and like, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then other people are like, we like, you know, that penny drops. Like, well, that was me just a couple of weeks ago. But now I'm like, well, no, you can do this. It's like, I felt that way. And now I'm, now I'm here and I, I, I know I can do this. I've got them. I know that next step and I know I can take it. And I know the step after that is going to be quite scary, but I know I can take that too, because well, why wouldn't I? And it was just, I think it's, it creeps up a little bit and it, but it does come from knowing what you're doing a little bit, having the framework, starting to build that trust within yourself and, and having that vision, really knowing why you're doing what you're doing, even if you don't quite know what you're doing. Um, And having the support too. Yes. Yeah. I think people can be more courageous when they have that support behind them. You know, whatever happens, I'll be here to to help you through it or, or pick you back up if you fall down. That's helpful too. Yeah. Okay. And you, we tend to do two things. We do what we love and we do what we're being watched on. And that's the hard thing when you're an entrepreneur or maybe even a leader, you're not necessarily being watched on things. So um, I know I'm much more courageous when my kids are there and I'm kind of like, oh, I can't let them down. I have to do this. Now. <laughs> um, but there's all sorts of things I can avoid when it's just me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, getting that support and it is really important. Very cool. Do you have one of the success stories of one of the women in your group that you'd like to share? Yeah. Well, I think, well, the, I shared one already, the the lady who went from a loss to, right. to making money just from knowing her, her value proposition. Um, and actually here's one about a niche because there was, I had working with another client and again, it was very early days and she, we started working together and she, she was, she wanted to be a presentation coach, but she wasn't sure if she could make it uh, work, if she was the right kind of person, if she had the right skills. And honestly, this woman had so many skills. She, she's been a theater director. She's been, she runs a Toastmasters group. She's, uh, she's done so many different amazing things. Like, why would you doubt that you could do this? But anyway, so we went through the process and we looked at her ideal client. So we were narrowing it down. Who exactly does she want? And I encouraged my clients to to, to have your client avatar and have a picture that represents that person. So you can always keep that picture in mind anytime you're producing materials for that person or a webinar for them. You know, it helps to, to focus it on a person. She went away, went to a networking event, and that person walked in through the door. <laughs> it wasn't that exact person, but right. so looked like the person that she'd put on her vision board wow. um, as her client avatar. And she was like, I couldn't, um, her jaw dropped. He walked in. So she went over, started speaking with him and he exactly matched everything that she, uh, she'd listed as an, what the attributes of an ideal client. So then she was a, because she knew who he was and how exactly she could help him get what he wanted, because it was what we'd been exploring together. Then, you know, that naturally came across in her conversation and then she said, and then, you know, she said, we, we've been, they've been talking about 15 minutes. And then he said, can I work with you? <laughs> and she said, yes, you can. And he became her first client. But after her first meeting, he was so impressed with her work that he introduced her to his HR department, who then employed her to give workshops uh, and start working with more of the team. And she got international appointments. And then, they, they, you know, it all started from there, just from that one client. But she knew who that client was. So she recognized them as soon as they walked in and knew exactly what to say. So I thought that was quite a nice example because it really ties in with what we were saying just a few minutes ago. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing that client, knowing who they are, what their needs are, what their wants are, and then, yeah, how to help them. That's perfect. That's great. Um, so do you work alone right now or do you have a team you work with? I have a small team. I have a virtual assistant and I have people that help me with certain aspects of my work, particularly with the marketing, like PR and things like that. It's, it's, in fact, I've always had a team um, in terms of having a cleaner and a nanny and a husband <laughs> who I tell you, know, you have to come home at this time. You know, I think sometimes we think of our business, 
business that was just me but you forget that there's these the, all these other support support people are there um but yes i have a team now as well Absolutely. and we're looking to grow that team further now so we can reach that next level great well if i was to bump into any of the people on your team and ask them what type of leader you are what would they tell me what kind of leader are you <laughs> hopefully no um i think i'm an inclusive leader i think i think coming back to the art school um, education, I, I don't ever think I've got the best way to do things. So I've got, I, I don't tell people, this is what we're going to do. I tell them, this is what I want to achieve. Nice. This is what I'm thinking. Like, can you see a way to make this better, stronger, simpler? You know, what am I missing here? And I, so I always involve them in a conversation. And um, and I think that's where they, they start to learn the values of the business. They start to feel uh, ownership and involved and they grow as well. Uh, they grow in line with the, the company and its values and, and it's reinforcing as well. You know, this is, this is the objective I want, but this is the outcome I want for my clients, how I want them to feel, because it's all about the experience at the end of the day. That's really what I believe marketing really is. Um, so involving them in that process just makes the whole business stronger, but also helps them grow and feel that they really, they they do really even my uh va you know she works part-time but after just a few days of working with me she was starting to come up with ideas and nice. you know you said this and you know it got me thinking maybe this whatever and i found this over here and then that led and you know she'd really taken up the baton and, and really started to run with it and she's always coming with great ideas um so you know i i don't think i could i think she definitely makes it stronger the whole team make everything that i do stronger very nice very cool. Good stuff. Um, so your book, is that available on Amazon? Yes. As on Amazon, Waterstones, oh, anywhere. Anywhere. Perfect. And the title again? The Shy Girl's Guide to Networking. Excellent. Very and cool. it's not just for girls. It's really my perspective <laughs> as a shy girl. Um, but I, I get lots of emails from men and, and experts saying, why have you called it that? You know, I'm yeah. not a shy girl and I've loved it. I was like, <laughs> From my perspective as a shy girl. <laughs> but networking, it can be scary. And a lot of people don't, don't have a plan. Like we're talking, plans are so important. They don't have a plan for networking. Mm. They go to a group, they get, you know, a cup of coffee and a donut and they stand over in the corner and kind of watch everything happen and then say, well, it didn't work for me. Well, you have to have a plan. You have to get out there. Yeah. Right? Do you go through that in your book about how to, to actually network once you once you overcome your fear? Yeah, absolutely. So the first part is is this victory formula and how to create your own version of that. Because when I started networking, I read a lot of books um, about networking and there was a lot of great advice, but none of them really tackled the mindset side of it. So I wanted to share that because I thought it was a, something that was a bit different and I've presented that in uh, quite a lot of workshops and, and talks that I've done and people really resonated with that. But then what I've realized is um, it's, well, it's nothing new, but it was new to me that, you know, there's a before, middle, uh, during the event and after the event. And almost it doesn't matter what you do at the event if you do the before and after bit correctly. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who is slightly more introverted, the, you know, the before and after bit really save you because yeah. that's where you can do all the preparation, the you know, get your introduction ready and just plan things out a little bit, get all the, so get a few little stories in your back pocket and really make sure that you're as set up for that event as possible. Do your homework properly yeah. Um and then follow up with people as well in a, in a human way. Um, and I always say, tell them, you know, at the event, people tend to think it's a bit of business card bingo and there it's, it's successful if you've got rid of all your business cards. Right. Like, right. no, give your business cards away last to say, I've really enjoyed um, speaking with you. I'd love to stay in touch. And then that's really meaningful. Um, and they're going to remember that then, you know. Um, but also well, these days you can just hook them up on, on LinkedIn very easily mm -hmm. and things, but then to, you know, the, the event isn't the event. You know, right. It's, it's just that first introduction, you know, building that network then is what you do afterwards, how you yeah. follow up with them. It you know, meet them for coffee. Yeah. yeah it's, that's, it's a relationship effectively. So this is, you know, meet people and that's, 
then you build the relationship afterwards and that's the real networking uh so what comes afterwards is really important but you don't have to follow up with everybody right. just those people you really want to you know the people you think i'd love to stay in touch with them and i can see that i can refer them or i can see how we have some synergies or I just really resonate with them if, if there's anyone out there that was just a bit weird or you just didn't feel it it's okay. You don't have to follow up with them. You know, otherwise it does become a bit overwhelming sometimes. So just pick those two or three people that you generally want to have a coffee with afterwards and, and explore uh, synergies and next Mm -hmm. steps with them and and just go all in and make it meaningful for them. Excellent. Yeah. It's all about the relationships and the follow-up. Very cool. So this, this has been great, Melita. Thank you so much for, for being on the program. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What is what is your website? So my website is melitacampbell.com. And I remember when I started my business coaching business, I was trying to find a name. And I was like, oh, it has to be like something meaningful and something different. And I was going around in circles for weeks. And then I remember I was at a dinner party and someone was like, well, how do I find you? I was like, oh, just put Melita Campbell into anything and you'll find me. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> nice. my name is already quite unique. I'm the only Melita Campbell on, on Facebook and social media. So I was like, oh, I just call myself that. <laughs> Perfect. No, that's great. And you're available on LinkedIn, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, on on pro- LinkedIn, I'm just Melita. I've been there so long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then your programs, are those um, open to anybody? Are they virtual? Or are you holding um, live courses? What is that? Yeah, they're, they're a bit of a hybrid. So I have an okay. online platform with a whole ton of content um, and inspiring interviews and experts as well to, to complement uh, everything that we're learning. And that's available online, so you can access it anywhere. And the, the tool I use is, is an app on your phone as well, so it really is very nice. accessible. And then we supplement that with live sessions. So in the, the 12-week sort of intense business coaching program, that's every week for six months you have access to me. And then the academy, which is um, ongoing, really about marketing mastery and, and business, ongoing business advice, really, uh, that's then monthly. You have the access to those. So yes. I, I think online programs had a place for a while, but mm-hmm. I think everyone's got, just got so many of them now and we're like, okay, I'm, I need support, proper yeah. support to get through things. Um, and, and having that community is more meaningful for me, for me too. Absolutely. Very cool. And your podcast, where's and your, podcast. your po- podcast is available everywhere? Everywhere. Driven Female Entrepreneur, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else as well. Perfect. Well, I will make sure I have links to all of that, your book, the programs, your podcast. I'll have all that in the show notes so people can, can look you up and find you. And again, thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Again, I will have all these links in the show notes. So make sure you check out melitacampbell.com and her books and programs and everything she's got going. All right. Um, And share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now. 